Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Hey there, friend. Angie Austin here with the good news. Well, it's not often that I have one of my uh, PR friends uh, write to me and say, this is one of the best books I've ever read on marriages. And uh, I've read a lot, he said. So my friend Don said, you've got to talk to Dr. Donald Welch. Uh, He wrote The Response of Marriage, Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. So welcome to the program, Dr. Donald Welch. Oh, Angie, thank you for having me on your program. I really appreciate it. It's great to meet you. You know, I uh, nice to meet you as well. I, I, I did get your voicemail the first time I reached out to you, and it's very caring. I thought, oh, he definitely counsels a lot of people because it was very much like, hey, you're important to me, and if you're trying to reach me, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So make sure you leave me a message. So that that's your work as well, <laughs> besides being an author. You're also working with couples personally. On a daily basis, yes. Here at the Center for Enriching Relationships in San Diego, California. Yes, I do on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Now, would you um, mind just kind of giving us a synopsis if someone says, what is the response of marriage about? Yes, the book is, it can be considered an owner's manual with complete instructions for how to operate a marriage at peak performance, you know, according to God's original design. Wow. And I've discovered, I really have discovered, I believe, after all these years that and research that supports this, that the number one reason that trouble starts and perhaps continues in the marriage is the inclination that we all have to be reactive to each other rather than responsive uh, during our daily interactions. So we have these involuntary <laughs> reactions. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I already told you I've got three teenagers and a husband who has oh. a, a hot Italian temper and, um, and, and, and five pets that he told me I could not have when we first got married. So I went about 17 years without any dogs and just now all of a sudden have three and the two cats. So as you can imagine, it's, um, it's quite a hotbed of reactivity at our house. So that's why I'm laughing. Now, when you say embracing our natural temperament, I giggle because... I do have a hot temper, but mine has a very, like, you have to try to light it many, many times. Like, it's the firecracker, you can't get lit. And so you might try for five minutes, but then when it's lit, like, you better back up, right? And so with my husband, (laughs) his can be lit with a spark. Like, it doesn't, we know exactly how quickly it can be lit. And I always tell the kids, because as he's getting heated with them, uh, my natural inclination is to somewhat calm him down and keep and calm them down because you know he'll go up a notch then one of the kids will go up a notch then he'll go up a notch then they'll go up a notch and i'm like you guys you will never reach the top notch it will always be dad so why not just quit notching up just like be quiet for a minute and once he gets his point across to you and you are understanding him or pretending at least that you're understanding him 
acting like you're understanding him, then he will come yeah. down. But he will not come down if you keep ratcheting up. So why is it so important to understand and embrace our natural temperament and maybe theirs as well? And and how do we handle that? Well, yes. As, well, with that, Angie, I think while you do have, that's quite a wonderful family you have and a lot of energy it sounds like my wife and I have a little dog uh, that I run with on a daily basis and um, she's uh, doesn't sound as reactive as uh, some of what you're talking about maybe your dogs and cats or cat just did there was validated I think that's what you were doing with your children and your husband offering some space to validate because as we embrace our natural temperament we are really then in a better position to also accept and perhaps embrace our spouse's temperament rather than try to change them into something they aren't. Ah. So as, we, as we learn more about our temperament, we can focus on enhancing our strengths and minimizing our weaknesses. So you say embrace it, accept it, instead of tr- trying to turn them into something they're not because I can't. And so I'm, I'm, you're already giving me a better idea of how to handle a situation rather than turn to him and try to get him to calm down because he's not going to until they listen because he's running the show. It's very authoritarian with the kids. So I need to turn to them and say, you need to calm down and let dad get his point across. And then you can you know, talk to him about your you know, point of view if you'd like. Yes. Yeah, because unfortunately, without intervention, we tend to have reactive messages. All of us do. And it sounds like you're describing your husband and you and your interaction. But when I mean this with this um, reactive messages, this means they originate from the feeling part of the brain and are largely involuntary, uncontrolled, and oftentimes relationship impeding. And we're wanting in the book, we want to ensure our messages to each other are more responsive. This means that they originate from the thinking part of the brain, which are voluntary, deliberate, and relationship enhancing. If you can kind of think of it in, in terms of, I always think of it in terms of, we, it sounds like we're both dog lovers and, and cat lovers. We don't have a cat, but we do love our dog. And that they are, our dog, as much as we want to think it has a lot of voluntary, deliberate, relationship-hancing brain portions, it does not. It does have a lot of feeling part of the brain, so they are very reactive. That's why we give them treats when they do their little tricks. My wife loves to share with others the tricks that our dog has learned, rolling over, jumping over, sitting, you know, the various things, crawling even, <laughs> and different things. But that's dealing more with the, um, the reactive part of the brain. And we want to move our brain as humans we can move to more of a responsive brain that's more voluntary and, and deliberate in relationship enhancing. Now, in working with people every day, what are some of the common issues that you help people tackle in their relationships? Um, one is that I try to help them to be aware, become more aware. And you can do that in a number of ways through just being aware of your own breathing, aware of, of uh, how you are feeling about something, like I'm feeling a little bit anxious or I'm feeling happy. And awareness of our temperament and reactivity provides the opportunity for us to choose responsiveness. That's the theme of the book. Now, in term, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just, that's okay. I was just thinking that the really the healthiest of thriving marriages have an abundance of what we call voice and choice for both the husband and wife. 
where if my wife were to call me, she does this better than I do. If she called, if I called her on the phone or she called me and I, or I called her, let me just get that. If I call her and I say, oh, do you have a moment to talk? And she thinks a moment, you know, I really don't. I can in about 10 minutes. And then I'm saying, oh, I can in 10 minutes. I'm going to be in a, a session. And then she said, how about an hour? And then we're discussing this. And the healthiest of marriages provide an abundance of voice and choice, both for the husband and wife. That creates that responsiveness behavior. It's kind of a, a kind of a nerdy illustration. But uh, my, my students at the university, they, they laugh at me when I tell that story because they go, Prof, hey, why, why do you discuss that for maybe almost a minute? And you could have gotten your answer to the question you have for your wife. And I said, well, I think you're missing it. The point is that really the more we can invest in voice and choice for both the husband and wife, the more healthy uh, the relationship, because it, it allows us to share our feelings more, to have more what we call reciprocity, the ability to share back and forth our thoughts and feelings. Now, when you think about um, expectations, um, uh, we expect so much in our relationships, like for them to know that we, um, you know, you just gave an example, but we want them to know more how we're feeling, that we're irritated. Is everything okay? Yes, everything's fine. We just expect they should know. Mm -hmm. And I think I see so many mm -hmm. of my friends when I lived in Los Angeles, some of my girlfriends that I knew 20, 30 years ago are still single. And I feel like they have these expectations of this knight in shining armor and, you know, just how perfect everything is supposed to be. And they're not, they have all these unmet expectations. And you refer to those unmet expectations, and we all have them, um, as relationship killers. So explain that. Yes, that's a really good question. Uh, one of the first things I do as a therapist is invite my patients to think of expectations within the home, domestic expectations. I've had people that have been married 40, 50, even 60 years, and I'll ask that question. I'll go, some will go, oh, I never thought about talking with them. And I had one couple, believe it or not, Angie, I had one couple. They had been married 40 years, about 41 years. And I asked that question, and they got into a discussion about it. And um, she said, oh, he's always taken out the trash. And I love taking out the trash, but I've <laughs> never been able to because we never discussed it. Now, he turned. This is a true story. Hard to believe. He turned to her and said, you've got to be kidding. I hate taking out trash. Why didn't we discuss this before? Now, that's just one example of probably hundreds with a couple deciding on how to. And, and again, it's it's increasing the voice of the voice and choice of the husband and wife where they choose to actually be able to decide on things sometimes on a daily basis because things change as we both age uh -huh. and seasons of life. Yes. Are um, yes. No, you talk about um you know reactivity. I mean, it's the response of marriage finding the path out of reactivity. How do we get a better understanding of our own reactivity because I definitely see myself overreact after things have gone on for about 10 minutes where I just lose my marbles. And we're kind of a yelling family, which I'm not proud of. The kids, mm -hmm. my husband, my mom, who lived with us for, you know, 20 years. She's living somewhere else now. We're, um, we're, we're taking a little break from mom because, I mean, mom, oh, wow, she yelled a lot at the kids. And it's like, oh, my goodness, uh -huh. can the kids get a break from the yelling? And, of course, now we've taught them to do it. So I see we're a very reactive family. So how do we 
get better at recognizing maybe our own reactivity and toning that back and maybe responding better to the other's reactivity. Yes, yes. I think you're, I think you're now getting at the very heart of the book, um, and that is that if I may just respond to your question initially with this preface, that unmanaged reactivity erodes intimacy and trust. Mm-hmm. So it elongates conflict. Yes. Now, I introduced the readers, Angie, to this in the book, in the Welch Responsive Cycle, which has two routes, the, nother, the northern and south, southern. The northern route ends up with repair. The southern route ends up with despair. So those are kind of, that's kind of a nerdy statement. No, say it again. Say it again. This, well, yeah, the northern route that I have a diagram in the book, and I have definition about it. It's the centerpiece of the book that the northern route ends with repair. So you're able to repair misunderstanding, which I think you're asking in your question. The southern route, however, ends with despair. That's when the, the reactivity is never uh, uh, worked on or trying to be understood or trying to hear each other or to validate each other or to be very curious with why the person feels so strongly about something. So what happens is without... In other words, unmanaged reactivity, it causes the interaction to spiral out of control as it picks up speed. In in the therapy world, we always say, if you have anxiety and avoid it, it's going to increase. So we want to, in the book, we talk about ways to embrace anxiety and embrace reactivity so that it doesn't spiral, it doesn't pick up speed and spiral out of control. So when we learn to become aware of reactivity, as soon as it starts. This is more of the question I think you're asking. If we can learn to become, let me repeat that if I may, kind of this idea of uh, becoming aware of reactivity as soon as it starts, we can take steps to manage it and shift from the southern route to the northern route. Again, the southern route, when we think of that southern route, it ends with despair, but the northern route ends with repair. All right, so stay right there. Stay right. Don't go anywhere, Dr. Welch. I'm going to take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll find out how we learn to take uh, the proper route. Okay, we'll be right back with the good news. Platteville is listening to the mighty 670 KLT. Christmas shopping is never easy, especially with teenagers, and Arc Thrift knows that. Arc Thrift has recently added electronic gift cards to their website. Now you can easily buy that family member or special person a gift card electronically to thrift away. This gift is perfect for college students or stocking stuffers. Teenagers and young adults don't want to look cookie cutter, meaning they want that unique, one-of-a-kind product that you can only find when thrifting. Arc Thrift also carries gifts that are great for white elephant gifts, gag gifts, and even toys for the little ones. They have a vast variety of products, but for the holiday season, you can find cheaper-than-store-brand Christmas lights, indoor and outdoor decorations, and so much more. It is the season of giving, so don't forget to donate those clothes at the back of your closet you never wear to ARC Thrift. Give the gift of thrift by going to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. If you're just joining us, this is Angie Austin with the good news, and we are talking to Dr. Donald Welch, and he is the author of The Responsive Marriage, Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. So uh, kind of recap the northern and southern route of our reactivity and how we choose or learn to take the proper route, doctor. Yes. 
Well, the northern route ends with repair. That's where you're, you have a reciprocity, you're understanding each other, you're being curious with each other. The southern route, however, ends with the despair. So how can we create an awareness of our reactive tendencies then? I include uh, several methods in the book to identify the reactivity and understand its origin. One method is to take the Welch Responsive Temperament Assessment, it's called the WRTA, which I describe in detail in the book. Don't let it scare you. It has 204 questions. The WRTA provides each person in the couple with valuable information about their temperament and how they express their temperament in either responsive or reactive ways. And so what I do is I, armed with this information, there's lots of tools and methods in the book and also a separate handbook that comes with the WRTA designed to help couples manage their reactivity and improve their relationships. And then may I add one other thing, Angie, with that in chapter 10, I also include a general reactivity questionnaire that the couple can use to walk back through the chapters and identify the presence of reactivity. All right. I'm going to jump to listening because you talk a lot about listening and obviously to be, you know, better at our reactions to our spouse our significant other, we um, have to listen to them. And you say good listening skills is like giving your companion air, like it's completely necessary. Yes. Yes. You know, when we're not listened to, actually, we we almost, our esophagus gets cut off because our high chest tightens a bit. Yeah. When we're listened to, we, re, we relax. But I use the AIR, A-I-R, as an acronym to help people remember the essential elements of active listening. These are affirm. Here's the three. Affirm, this is the A-I-R. Affirm, inquire, and reflect or repeat. So when one intentionally does all three of these actions while they are listening to another, it's like giving oxygen to the one who's been underwater without air for a bit of time. It brings refreshment and relief really to the person who's listening to in this way. Okay, so doctor, I um, say to you, uh, you know, I'm, I, I need more help. I'm super busy with the kids. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm just going all different directions. I need help with, you know, driving to some of these practices or this, that, and the other. And then how do you do the AIR back to me? What I do is I say, um, oh, so it sounds like you need help with this. And I'd be happy to do that. How more, how, how, how may I better even help you. So I'm using invitational back to you. And validation is what I just did, because validation is just saying back to the other person. If I can get a couple just to say back to the other person what they heard them say, it actually moves into responsivity out and moves out of reactivity. Because I give myself a little bit of space to calm down if I'm frustrated with that, because I don't have time to take that, you know, do that event for you or so it's it's a way to uh, calm yourself. Okay. All right. Um, that that makes sense. Uh, A I R. Um, multitasking. I like to think I'm really good at it. My husband can only do one thing at a time. Like if he's driving, <laughs> I have to remind him sometimes of our own turn off off the highway because he cannot 
I mean, if he's on the phone, I'm like, bro, <laughs> you've got to hang up the phone. Like, you cannot drive and talk on the phone. He just is really good at doing one thing at a time, but exceptionally good at it. I mean, boy, is he good at everything he does. He is excellent. But it, can, but I like to think I'm good at multitasking. But you, you don't really like the idea of multitasking. What do you say about it? You know, is it really not that possible? Well, it, the brain research shows this, but you've described something that I experienced early on in my wife and my marriage, that I walked in the door. She was at the kitchen sink. This truly happened. She had one of the, you know, the bigger old phones kind of tucked up under her chin. Oh, yeah. Ear, listening, talking. She was washing some things in the, in the sink. She actually then had our little dog. The dog was right next to her. Back then it was another dog, but years ago, decades ago. And she was petting the dog with her foot. And I stopped in my tracks. And I said, there is no way I can do what she just did. <laughs> She's listening, talking, washing dishes, and, and actually scratching our dog with her foot. And it, it was amazing. There's a difference between a, man, a man's brain and a woman's brain. There's this hormonal washing. What happens early on in about four weeks and six weeks, that the male's brain with a heavy testosterone does not go between the two hemispheres as a female. Oh. And so women do this multitasking much better than, than men. So I address the idea of multitasking in the book when I discuss listening skills. And I make the case that multitasking, as most of us understand that term, is really a myth. But while we're, we, are, we can certainly work on tasks simultaneously, our brain is actually not wired to do it well. So it's not as though I'm against it. Women do this better than men. If we're watching a movie, my wife is folding something or doing something. I cannot do both at the same time. So you're you're absolutely in the norm, Angie, with your husband, in the sense that he can do that one task. That's why we as men, we're working on something, and the wife uh, maybe says, "Hey, I'd like to share a story with you." Well, I cannot I cannot put the screw in at the same time you're talking to me. Oh, that's funny. Well, and you also speaking of men and how they think and what they do and the way their brains work. Um, you talk about how most men have no clue, no idea, no real logic in terms of they don't know how what they feel. So is that mm -hmm. true that they really don't know what they feel like? I think my husband, when he first started this company 10 years ago, I think he was depressed because he was very angry. And I read that anger in, um, is sometimes is a sign of depression in men because he was so, mm -hmm. I mean, it was so stressful because he didn't get make an income for like three years. And so I juggled oh, wow. all of that while he started his company. And it's all worked out mm -hmm. really well. So he's not as angry as he was. But I think it was depression. But he had no clue. And when I tried to explain it to him, he's like, well, I don't know. Maybe I am. So if they have no clue what they really feel, how does that impact the marriage? And that, is that true? They really, a lot of times, don't really understand how they feel? You know, it's true. In many cases, the only feeling men feel comfortable with is anger. Oh, That's why all the movies are angry. You know, the guy comes and steals your family and the whole movie is getting that, finding that guy and getting the family back. And men are just loving the movie and the women walk out and they're ready to go to a Hallmark movie. But men are typically not taught to understand their feelings or how to express them in healthy ways. I do teach that in the book. And so that's why I think it would be helpful. Since if you think about it this way, Angie, since women are like kind of realtors, they generally speak in the language of feelings while men speak in the language of facts. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think yeah. that's so true. All right, and you talk about. Um, I think this is a funny uh, term, but because um, I everybody loves the rest stop when they're traveling. You know, there's always yeah. like um, mm-hmm. the candy machine and a drinking fountain and there's bathrooms and you can walk the dog <laughs> a little yeah. right. And there might be a yeah. shady spot to have a sandwich. And so yeah. why do you say that there's a marital rest stop and that it's an important thing in a relationship to have a marital rest stop? Yes. Yes, chapter seven is about finding rest stops along the way. Well, because really the subtitle of the book is Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. The theme and title of each chapter of the book relates to a path, a road, or travel. And because you said it so well, it was great. I could just follow your illustration so well. I was like I was there, Angie. But life is busy and often chaotic, and if a couple is not purposeful about stopping at rest stops along this journey, they will burn out and completely miss each other. And the rest stops I talk about in the book have to do with slowing things down. I discuss ways to enjoy the moment, tune into our senses, laugh with each other, um, ensure that, that that family is not overtaking marriage, stop surrendering to the tyranny of urgent, and build, say, margins into our schedules. You know, I, I've lately been doing these, uh, it's a family outing, but it's kind of, you know, for my husband and I as well, because we don't really go out to dinner much alone, and uh, we don't mm-hmm. really go out to dinner much unless grandma and grandpa are here. Then we have, like, the big dinners, you know, with grandma and grandpa. And so there's seven sure. of us, and we do the big dinner. So I've started doing, like, a movie night, which my husband's not, he doesn't, we hadn't gone to a movie really since we got married. He doesn't really go to movies. But we've kind mm-hmm. of, I found one that I think that he'll kind of like and then you know they have the new lazy boys now where you can lean back and he's six six so he blocks the whole like row in front of him you know so oh my we we get our own two seats and then we put the kids and maybe some of their friends like i might buy nine tickets and then i'll stick them and their friends up ahead of us but then we're kind of back by ourselves and then we take them we all go to dinner and so that's been really fun because that's something we normally don't do and it's a little expensive Mm -hmm. it's not something i would normally like i I use air quotes waste money on because i don't like to waste money but it's not really wasting money at all like we're fine you know it doesn't matter if we spend a couple hundred dollars on a night out for the family and we've really been enjoying it we do it a few times a month Mm -hmm. and then you know like there's all kinds of light festivals and cool things going on especially this time of year so i've been planning some of those as well and Oh, the aquarium. The whole family did the aquarium together, and we had such a blast. So um, I feel like those are kind of rest stops, even though our kids are all still home in high school. That won't go on that much longer. So I'm kind of trying to capitalize on when the whole family's together, which also I think is somewhat of a marital rest stop. Maybe not quite the way you advise it, but it's been good for us. Um, Why are these so important? Well, you're doing them because a healthy couple engages in intentional behavior. What I mean by that is that if we are not intentional, which you are, sounds like on many, many different ways, in many different ways, excuse me. If we're not intentional about planning and taking action to improve our marriages, they will erode and degrade over time. It's called, you know, we've all heard of the law of entropy. Without intervention, things always move from order to disorder. So a couple must be intentional about investing in their marriage if they're going to have the, any chance of experiencing a thriving and fulfilling one. And I congratulate you on your ingenious, creative ways to do that. 
You know, and I think, um, you know, it was different, obviously, when he was starting his business out, we would do things that weren't, you know, that that weren't very expensive. Even Christmas was like mm-hmm. a secondhand store. We joke around about shopping with a purpose. So the money would go back maybe to ARC and where they help people who are differently abled. But we would buy all of our presents there for two Christmases. I think we did that. And so we obviously didn't do the dinner and the movie and the ice skating and all the, you know, events because it's a good, Mm -hmm. I'd say, hundred dollars just for a family to go to the movie, you know, at least a bigger family, bigger ish like ours. So now we can, you know, I guess, spend a little more on some of these fun outings. But I know for a fact that they don't always take, uh, you know, a lot of money. All right. We have about a minute um, left, Doc. What do you want to leave us with and take away from uh, our session with you? I'm calling this our session on the responsive marriage. Oh, well, I, I think we talked a lot about various things. I'm, I would like to add with what you were just saying about your own family. I think that I think most of us either intuitively know or have learned in our vocation that setting goals, honestly evaluating progress and meeting goals, and then putting events and actions on calendars and to-do lists and strategizing actions to solve problems all increase the chances for what we intend to become reality. And I think you and your husband, boy, he is tall, <laughs> six foot six. <laughs> yes, he would, he would be daunting just to meet, wouldn't he? But, but the idea is you're intentional, and that's what we talk a lot about in the book. Well, I sure appreciate you joining us. Give us a website, Doctor, where we can find more on you and the responsive marriage. Yes, yes, that's... that's um, it's Welch Family Therapy Institute.com. So Welch Family, it's Welch Family Institute.com. Excellent. That's where you can find information. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much. It was a real pleasure having you on the show, Doctor. Okay. Thank you so much, Angie. So pleased to meet you. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670. KLTT. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.